Do uh, make sure you can see uh, James chapter 3. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks or so, you'll know that um, we're in James 3 because we're in the middle of our series looking at this uh, book of James. And last week, if you were here, uh, we thought about that common phrase, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. And we saw how James applied that to the Christian life. His big point in chapter 2 was that faith is about more than just speaking. He said it's not enough to simply say that you have faith in Jesus, but then not do anything about it. Because true faith, saving faith, is always seen in action. Actions speak louder than words. Uh, That was last week. And there's a danger, I guess, that we left last week thinking, uh, okay, James, uh, I I think I get it. The Christian life is all about what I do, that I'll be a doer of the word. It's not so much about what I say. As long as I'm doing the right things, then my words, they don't matter so much. Another common phrase uh, that we use or have heard as kids is, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's something that we say, isn't it, to try and take the sting out of the hurtful things people say to us, uh, to convince ourselves or others that they're only words after all, and so they don't really matter. Uh, But whether it's on the playground or in the Christian life, We know that's not true, don't we? We know that we live in a world where words really do matter, where words have an enormous amount of potential, of power uh, for both good and evil. It's been the case since the very beginning. In in Genesis 1, uh, the beginning of everything is described for us, and the repeated refrain throughout that chapter is, "...and God said." It was through God's word that creation came into existence. Words made the world. And then in Genesis 3, words ruined the world. As the serpent whispered those words, did God really say? Words matter. It was true in the beginning and it's been true ever since. We know words matter and So it seems as James. Remember, he's writing this letter to scattered Christians, and he's warning them about this danger of being double-minded in the Christian life. The danger of trying to live with one foot in two camps. Of claiming to be a Christian, but then living just like the world. And here in chapter 3, he zooms in on something very small, but very powerful. He focuses on the tongue. And in doing so, he wants us to see that our words matter. That's why he begins the chapter uh, there in verse 1 by warning teachers, uh, those whose job it is to speak a lot. Uh, James knows the power and potential of words, and so he cautions those uh, who are eager to teach, uh, those who want to influence others by what they say. Uh, But this isn't just a chapter for teachers, because in verse 2 he says we All stumble when it comes to our speech. All of us struggle to control our tongues. We know that's true probably just from today. And so what James has to say is for all of us this evening. All of us who dare to open our mouths and speak. 
So we're going to focus on that little but powerful thing, the tongue. And the first thing James wants us to see is the problem the tongue presents. Uh, The problem the tongue presents, just look at verse 3 with me. Uh, James says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. James uses this picture of a horse and a ship to get us thinking about this issue of the tongue. And his point is pretty straightforward, isn't it? He says, although it's small, the tongue is incredibly powerful. Just as a bit determines the direction of a horse and the rudder a direction of the ship, so the tongue can determine the direction of our lives and the lives of others. We can see that connection back in verse 2 if you just look back to verse 2. James says, the person who can control their tongue is able to control their whole body. In other words, the tongue has this disproportionate amount of influence or control for its size. Which means that if we can win this battle for the tongue, well then James is saying that we can make real progress in other areas of life. Uh, Just think about the difference it would make to your godliness in your marriage, or with your kids, or at work, or at the school gate, or at church, if you could just get a grip of your tongue. Uh, The tongue is powerful, and that could be, can be, a positive thing. Uh, But sadly, James says, that isn't usually the case. Because the tongue is also destructive. Look at verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Forest fires have been in the news a lot recently, haven't they? Thousands of people in Australia have experienced and are experiencing the devastation and destruction that fires can cause. Fires that are clearly difficult to put out and nearly impossible to control. And such dangerous and destructive fires, well, they so often begin with just a small spark, a cigarette butt flicked out of a window. And again, James says the the same is true when it comes to our tongue. Just as a small spark can cause a forest fire, so our words can cause all sorts of damage. A few years before the outbreak of the Second World War, Adolf Hitler spoke these words to the Nazi party in Nuremberg. He said the discovery of the Jewish virus is one of the greatest revelations that has taken place in the world. We shall regain our health only by eliminating the Jew. Hitler's words years before World War II started a fire that destroyed the lives of millions and millions of people. And whilst the fires that we start might not be on the same scale, we do all know the destruction that our words can cause, don't we? Just think of how easily gossip or slander can destroy a person's character. 
It really doesn't matter whether we say it in the disguise of a prayer request or just between you and me or we plaster it all over Facebook. When we gossip about other people, we cause destruction in their lives. Or criticism. Criticism destroys relationships. Of course, there's a place, isn't there, for constructive feedback, for trying to help people or things to improve. But whilst encouraging feedback seeks to build others up, harsh criticism seeks to tear them down, to destroy them. We tend to do that with the the people who are closest to us, don't we? I know that I can ruin Catherine's day by coming home and pointing out the one thing that I didn't think she did the way I wanted her to. Or in the church, I think sometimes we can forget there are people behind ministries. When we're harsh or overly critical about something like the music or an aspect of the kids' work, we easily forget, don't we, that our words have an impact on the people behind those things, the people serving in those areas. Our words are destructive, says James. Uh, maybe we hear that and we think, okay, James, that, 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 that's a little bit much, isn't it? I know that, that gossip isn't great. I know that I can sometimes say the odd unkind thing. But, you know, they are, they are just words, aren't they? Sticks and stones and all of that. It, surely it's not that bad. But to which James says in verse 6, yes. <laughs> yes, it is that bad. Your tongue is a whole world of evil. It's set on fire by hell itself. In other words, when you use your tongue or your texting to gossip or slander or lie, James says you're using it to serve Satan. And his only aim is to destroy James says we need to take the tongue seriously. It's powerful, it's destructive, and it gets worse because next he says it's untamable. Look at verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Again, James uses a picture to make a simple point. He says we've become experts in animal taming. The wildest and most ferocious of creatures can be controlled by people. But that's not true for the tongue. The tongue is untamable. It's restless. It's unpredictable. You can't rely on it or trust it. And again, we know what James is talking about, don't we? Maybe... You're a person who has a tendency to be negative with your speech. Maybe you're cynical or overly sarcastic. Maybe you lie to get yourself out of trouble or to make yourself look better in a situation. Whatever the negative way you use your tongue, you know as well as I do how hard it is to change the way you speak, even for a day. So you upset someone with another one of your underhand critical comments and you think, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I've seen the damage that my words can cause, the hurt, the destruction of my speech. 
I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm only going to speak positively from now on. How long do you manage that for? An hour? A morning? A day? Because before you know it, someone comes and does something else to wind you up or annoy you or just not in the way that you'd like them to, and and out comes the poisonous tongue again. Out comes the hurtful comment or the, the grumbling bit of gossip. And so the cycle goes on. James says your tongue is untamable. You cannot control it. And I think this is something that we need to grasp if we're going to understand where James is taking us in this chapter. You see, just as with the rest of the letter of James, we've got to be careful not to turn this into ten steps to speaking nicely. James isn't giving us a guide to good manners. No, he's telling us this is something that you cannot do. And the reason for that, the reason our tongue is beyond our control, is because it's not actually the source of the problem. We need to understand the problem the tongue presents, that it's powerful, it's destructive, it's untamable. But if anything's going to change, then well, next we need to see the picture the tongue paints. The picture the tongue paints. Having shown us the damage our tongues can cause to the people around us, Next, James wants us to see how the tongue reveals what's going on inside us. And the first picture our tongue paints is that we are inconsistent. Just look at verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. We know how this goes, don't we? Here we are, uh, gathered together on Sunday. Uh, we're in the middle of a service in which we've heard God's word. We've prayed prayers of thanksgiving. We've sung songs of praise. And it's all been heartfelt. It's all been a genuine use of our words. But then we begin chatting over coffee. Or we head down to the pub later this evening, or we walk into the office tomorrow morning, and we find ourselves talking down about the person we sat next to at church yesterday. We moan a bit about the music, complain about the coffee. We hear secondhand about how someone at church is doing something they shouldn't be doing, and we can't wait to have a good chat about it with our mates tomorrow. And so verse 10, out of the same mouth, come praise and cursing. In other words, our tongue reveals our double-mindedness. It reveals our deep-rooted inconsistency that is on the one hand happy to praise God, but on the other happy to destroy people. And so James says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. It should not be, firstly, because of who it is we're cursing. Look at verse 9 again. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Every single human being that you meet, whether it's your best mate or the person on the checkout at Lidl, has been made in God's image. They've been made in his likeness. And the Bible says that means people are valuable. 
Everybody is valuable, not because of what they can do or achieve, not because of how likable or useful they might be. They're valuable because they're made in God's likeness. And so gossip and slander and putting people down, whether it's to their face or behind their back, well, those things shouldn't be. That's especially true in the church, isn't it? I I wonder if you've noticed, we've gone through James, all the family language that's in there. He constantly speaks about his brothers and sisters, his our Lord and Father. James says, these are your family. How can you curse them? And the trouble I think we face is that in our culture, speaking negatively about people is just normal, isn't it? Whether it's with our mouths or on our phones, it is normal to curse other people. It's normal to laugh at and mock image-bearing politicians. It is normal to moan about and disrespect image-bearing bosses. It's normal to groan about image-bearing in-laws and normal to complain about image-bearing parents. Those things are normal for us. But James says this shouldn't be. This should not be. Because of who they are. But also because of who we are. Look at verse 11 with me. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James gives us three final pictures, and this time his big point is is that what comes out reflects what's within. Verse 11, only a a spring can only produce what it has at its source. Or verse 12, a fig tree can only produce figs, not olives. In other words, the nature of something determines what it produces, Jesus says something very similar, doesn't he, in Matthew chapter 12. He says this, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so here is the reason the tongue is such a problem for us. Here's the reason we fail to control or change the way that we speak. Jesus and James say the problem isn't a rotten tongue. No, the problem is a rotten heart. And so we don't need ten steps to transform the tongue. We don't need spiritual speech therapy. No, we need spiritual heart surgery. And the good news of James, the good news of the whole Bible is that God is all about heart change. His desire, his purpose is to transform people from the inside out. And so just flick back with me to chapter 1. Just flick back a page with me to chapter 1 and verse 18. We saw this a few weeks ago. Chapter 1 verse 18, uh, James says this, He, that's God, chose us to give, give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. By his grace, God has given us new life, new birth, 
through his word. He's done something in us. And then look at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And here's, here's the key. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. See what James is saying? The only way you, your speech will change the only way you will control your tongue is as you humbly accept what God is doing on the inside through his life-giving, heart-changing word. It's through the implanted word that God gives us a new heart which then produces good and godly fruit. And so you see, this isn't a self-help guide. James isn't just saying, wash your mouth out, Christians. No, he's saying no human being can tame the tongue. But there is a God who can change the heart. And that is what he does through his word. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with James's words here? Well, the first thing to do is to recognize that being a Christian is not simply about changing your behavior. Maybe you're new to all these things, and up until now, you've been given the impression that Christianity is just a case of sorting your life out. And if that's you, if that's the impression you've been given, I hope you can see here that our tongue shows us that is impossible. Our tongue shows us, without a doubt, that we cannot change ourselves, no matter how hard we try. Instead, what we need to do is come to the Lord. Come to him and ask that he would change us on the inside. We need to humbly listen to his word. And as a result, trust in his son. Trust in the Lord Jesus who forgives us for all of our evil words. Through his death on the cross. Come to him for cleansing. Come to him for a new heart. And if you are someone who's done that, if you are trusting in Jesus this evening, well then here James says, our task is to speak out of that new heart. To be single-minded, to be focused in the way we use our words. Not to destroy or to curse, but to encourage and to build up. To keep using our words to point people to Jesus so that they and we become more like him in all that we do and all that we say. James says our words matter. And so we need to pray that God would help us to be people who speak out of the new heart he has given us. Let's pray for that now. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a mirror that shows us what we are really like. Father, thank you that this evening we have seen that our words reveal our heart. And so often that reveals something that is far from you, far from praising your name. And so, Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus 
died so that our hearts could uh, be washed, could be made new, died so that we could be forgiven for all the wrong and evil things we've said, and that he has given us a new heart. Father, please help us to be people who are consistent in speaking from our new hearts, speaking praise to your name, pointing people to your Son, and all for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to use our tongues now uh, to sing praise to our Lord. So once the band starts, let's stand and sing together.